A few years ago, a striking Christmas card was published with the title, If Christ Had Not Come. And it was founded upon those words by our Savior, If I Had Not Come. We find those words in Scripture. And the card presented a preacher who fell asleep for a short sleep in his study on Christmas morning. And he began to dream of a world to where Jesus had never come. And in his dream, he found himself going throughout his home. And as he went through his home and was looking around, he saw no little stockings hung by the chimney corner. No Christmas bells and no wreaths of holly. No Christ, the comfort, glad and saved. He, he walked out into the street and he noticed there was no church with its steeple pointing to heaven. He came back into his library and began to look at the books on his shelves. But every book about the Savior had disappeared. All of a sudden, the doorbell rang and he went to the door and a messenger arrived asking him to go and see a poor dying mother. He hastened with this weeping child. And as he reached the home and he got by the bedside of this dying lady, he said, I have something to comfort you with here. And he opened his Bible to look for a familiar promise. But his Bible ended at Malachi. There was no gospel. There were no promises of hope and salvation that we find in the New Testament. And he could only bow his head and weep in despair. Two days afterward, in his dream, he stood at the graveside by the coffin of this lady and he conducted the funeral service. There was no message of glorious consolation, no message of resurrection, no message of heaven, but only these words, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, and one long eternal farewell. He realized at length in this dream that he had not come. And he burst out into tears and to weeping when he realized just what this meant. And then suddenly this preacher awoke from his dream as a great shout of joy and adoration and praise bursts forth from his lips. As he heard the church choir singing these words, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. And he realized afresh and anew that Christ had come. And with his coming came great joy. We need to be glad today. We need to rejoice because he has come. And I want to go back today and read that familiar story. If you have your Bible, open to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. If you grab that, find the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, find the second chapter. We'll begin reading at verse number one. Familiar words. Now, while you're turning there, if you've been with us over the last several weeks, we've been learning lessons for life here from Luke chapter two. And we studied Mary and Joseph and we learned the lesson uh, to trust God in the difficulties of life. And then we looked at the shepherds together. And we learned this lesson, be open to God in the monotony of life. And today we're going to learn some lessons and a, a primary lesson here from a man named Simeon. And the lesson we're going to learn, well, you'll have to wait and we'll figure that out a little bit later in our message. But let's begin reading uh, here in Luke chapter one, uh, Luke chapter two, beginning at verse number one. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus 
that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were going away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they had made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Now we come to today's passage, beginning at verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, 
that the faults of many hearts may be revealed. We're going to examine those verses 21 through 35 under three headings today. First of all, keeping the law, keeping the law. We have here baby Jesus, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And and like any other baby that's born, Jesus began to grow. He began to advance in age. And at this point, he's eight days old. Galatians 4, 4 says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. And because he was under the law, he kept the law of God perfectly. And this began with the obedience of Mary and Joseph, his mother and his adopted father, as they began to fulfill the law regarding the Lord Jesus. Now, we have here. Several things. We're not going in great detail, but you need to know these things. You need to understand these things. What's involved here? What was going on in this passage? You know, we've studied through about Mary and Joseph. We studied about the shepherds. We know those things, but oftentimes we don't think about Simeon. And I want to think about him some today, but to get to him, let's see what the law's requirements were. You really have several things going on here. First of all, you have the circumcision. Look at verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, where did this circumcision come from? What is this all about? Well, I'm going to share with you some Old Testament passages. I'm going to read them for you. You want to jot the references down? You can go back and read them later. But listen to these verses, okay? Going all the way back to Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. Genesis 17:12 says this. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man child of your generations, he that is born in the house or bought with money or any stranger, which is not of thy seed. You fast forward to Leviticus 12, 3. And in the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And then we know at the circumcision, they also named the child. At this time, we find that his name was called Jesus. Which means Jehovah saves. It says there in verse 21, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. If you go back and read in Matthew 121, the angel speaking to Joseph. Here's what the angel says. And she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. If you go to Luke chapter one. You find the angel addressing Mary, and here's what the angel said. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. So we have the circumcision here, the circumcising of Jesus, the naming of Jesus. And then we have what's known as the purification. Look in your Bible again at verse 22. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished... Then they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Drop down to verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now you read that today and you think, what in the world is that talking about? Well, again, we have to go back to the Old Testament to understand. Leviticus 12, 1 through 4. Listen to what the Bible says. It says there, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed and born a man child that is a boy, then she shall be unclean seven days. 
according to the days of the separation from her infirmity, shall she, shall she be unclean. And in the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And she shall then continue in the blood of her purifying three and thirty days. She shall touch no hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. Leviticus 12, 6 says this. When the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb. Listen, she shall bring a lamb of the first year of burnt offering. And a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest. So she's ceremonially, ceremonially unclean for this amount of time. But then when she's reached that time period, she's to bring forth an offering, a sacrifice. Now notice what it says they brought. 24 in our passage, verse 24. To offer sacrifice according to that which is said of the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves. Or two young pigeons. Listen to what Leviticus 12.8 says. If she be not able to bring a lamb. Then she shall bring two turtles or two young pigeons. The one for the burnt offering. The other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her. And she shall be clean. What do we learn from that beloved? We learn that obviously Mary and Joseph were not able financially to bring forth a lamb. They had to bring another offering, that is, what? These two young pigeons and these pair of turtle doves. They did not have the means to bring this lamb. Of course, they brought the lamb himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's another reason why we understand that the wise men had not yet appeared upon the scene. Because they brought some magnificent gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But they did not arrive yet. They would arrive later in the story. So we understand now. The circumcising of Jesus. We understand the purification. She's ceremonially unclean. But then we have a third thing here. That's the presentation of Jesus. Look back at verse 22. And when the days of purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished. Watch this. They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Now, what is this all about? Bringing Jesus and presenting him. Well, we go back to Numbers. Stay with me now. Numbers chapter 18, verses 15 and 16. Listen to what it says about this. Everything that openeth the matrix in all flesh, which they bring unto the Lord, whether it be of men or a beast, shall be thine. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man shalt thou surely redeem, and the firstling of unclean beasts shalt thou redeem. And those that are to be redeemed for a month old shalt thou redeem according to thy estimation for the money of five shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary, which is 20 giras. In other words, they had to bring forth some redemption money an offering. Now, this passage does not necessarily say that they paid that. But you know what? We know they kept the law so we can safely assume they did pay this redemption. Verse 39 says this, when they performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. So what's going on here? We have Mary and Joseph keeping the law, circumcision of Jesus, the purification, bringing forth the offering for Mary. And then we have the presentation and the paying of this redemption money. So what's going on here? Keeping the law. Now, let's fast forward. You've got that under your hat now. Let's talk about keeping a promise, beginning at verse 25. We know why they're at the, there to bring the sacrifice. Look at verse 25. And behold, 
There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and about waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, they took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word, for thine eyes have seen thy salvation. We're introduced to a man named Simeon. Now listen, all that we know about Simeon is found in this passage of Scripture. All that we know. In fact, to quickly sum up Simeon's life, we would say this, beloved. He was waiting to see the Messiah. In fact, he had been promised by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. So Simeon was waiting and watching. The Bible says he was just and devout. We know he was a man well acquainted with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. The scripture says the Holy Spirit was upon him in verse 25. We understand in verse 26, the Holy Spirit had given him a revelation and a promise. And we know even the Holy Spirit guided him to be at the temple on this particular day in verse 27. I like what Max Lucado wrote about this, that verse 27. Simeon apparently had no plans to go to the temple. God, however, thought otherwise. We don't know how the prompting came. A call from a neighbor, an invitation from his wife, a nudging within the heart. We don't know. But somehow Simeon knew to clear his calendar, to put away his golf clubs. I think I will go to church, he announced. And so he went. He went to church. He went to the temple that day. And we assume by his words, beloved, that Simeon was an older man. Look at verse 29. He says, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy words, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. In other words, Lord, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to die now because you've kept your promise. I've seen the Messiah. So we assume that he was an older man. He then goes on not only to bless the Lord, but he blesses Mary and Joseph. And he, it says there, if you'll look in your Bible now. Notice his words, verse 34. And Simeon blessed them. He blessed them. And then it says he said it to his Mary, his mother. Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, sword shall pierce through thine own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I can imagine that day as Simeon went to the temple and he began looking around and he was looking for the Messiah. And he looked around and he saw finally this couple that he'd been waiting and watching to see. And he runs and he takes Christ up in his arms. No doubt he lived with it, wonder and expectancy and excitement. The day had come. And he looks at the Savior. He looks at Jesus, God of the flesh, Emmanuel with us. He's waiting for the consolation and comfort of Israel. His life is complete. His life is complete. He says, Lord, I'm ready to go. We have keeping the law and keeping a promise, but let's now look at keeping some perspective. It says Mary and Joseph were amazed in verse 33 about what he was saying. It had been quite a trip so far in their lives. But we find that he made an announcement to Mary specifically. 
He blessed God. He blessed the young couple. And then he went a step further in talking to Mary. And he shares with Mary some words of warning. Now, the question arises, why did he only speak to Mary at this point? Why did he speak to Joseph? Well, we believe because, well, by the time that Jesus reached the end of his earthly life, Joseph was no longer living. Joseph was no longer alive. And Simeon's words to Mary are words that are somewhat startling, no doubt. Let's take them section by section. Notice these words. Behold, this child is set for the falling and rising again of many in Israel. Now, what, was that, what does that mean? Well, some are going to rise and some are going to fall. In other words, some were going to refuse Jesus and fall. And others were going to accept Jesus and rise. In other words, some people are going to receive the Lord Jesus as their own Savior and live eternally. And sadly, others were going to reject him and be damned and condemned for all eternity. Notice he says in verse 34, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. What does that mean? This sign that shall be spoken against. Well, you know what? Jesus would face rejection. Jesus was going to face hatred. In fact, they hated him so much, beloved, that they crucified him. They nailed him to a cross. Look at what it says there in verse 35. Speaking to Mary, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What is that all about? Well, listen to these words from John chapter 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. In other words, Mary was going to watch as her own son was crucified. Mothers, would you process that for a moment? Imagine standing watching your child be nailed to a cross and die before your very eyes. That's a thought none of us want to have today. That's why he says, you know what? A sword shall pierce through thine own heart also. And then it says, what? The thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What does that mean, preacher? It means this. The way one treats Jesus, the way one treats Jesus shows that person for whom they really are. Uh, John 3.19 says it this way. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Listen, you cannot be neutral concerning Jesus. You cannot be neutral concerning Jesus. You either accept him or you reject him. There's no middle ground. You cannot be neutral. These words, beloved, that we're reading today were spoken while he was a baby. While he was there and they were looking at him. Simeon's talking about things that were coming in his life. And as Mary had the little baby Jesus there, he's saying a sword shall pierce through your own heart. You will see him die. That's why this is called keeping some perspective. No doubt for Mary, these things begin to come in and she begins to think about these things. You see, the truth of it is, beloved, he came to die. He came to be crucified in our place. He came to take our sin upon us. He didn't stay in that manger. He voluntarily went to Golgotha, to Calvary. He went from the cradle to the cross. He was born to die. Beth Moore put it this way. 
the King of kings and Lord of lords. The only begotten of the Father was born in a stable, raised by a poor carpenter, teased by his brothers, was virtually homeless, practically penniless. He was deserted by his friends, insulted in the kangaroo court, mocked, beaten, stripped, bruised, and crucified. To us, it is a scenario that makes little sense. But to God, it was the only scenario that made any sense. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And he came and he was born and he lived a sinless, perfect life. That babe to a boy, to a man. And he voluntarily laid down his life for you and for me. Now we're learning lessons for life. Preacher, what lesson can we take from this today? Here's the lesson. For anyone who does not know that their sins are forgiven. For anyone here who does not have Jesus as Savior. The lesson for you today is repent. Repent before it's eternally too late. In other words, turn from your sin to Jesus. Turn from your sin to Jesus. He came for you. He was born for you. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You cannot save yourself. You cannot earn it. You cannot merit it. It's not found in your works. It's found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love what Simeon said. Look at what he said in verse 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Who was he looking at? Jesus. See, salvation is not found in religion. It's not found in good works. It's found in that person, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not religion. It's a relationship with Christ. Repent of your sin and take Jesus by faith today. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Repent. Trust. Live eternally. The greatest gift. The true Christmas gift. The Savior. Emmanuel. The Lord Jesus Christ. Repent. Be saved. Now, I know many here today have already taken that step and praise be to God. And you should be rejoicing today and praising him as we think about what he did for us. But, you know, there's a lesson for us here as well. For those of us who know Christ as Savior, here's the lesson for you and me. Keep looking up. Jesus is coming again. Keep looking up. Jesus is coming again. Acts 1, 6 through 11 says this. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. And when he, that is Jesus, spoken these things, while they beheld, listen, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Wouldn't you have loved to have been a fly on the hillside that day? To watch that as you see the Lord Jesus literally ascend into heaven. And the Bible says there, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? What did, did you just Listen, the same Jesus, the same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. John 14, 1 through 3, let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Listen, every day Simeon was looking for Jesus. Every day he was looking for Jesus. He had been promised that Jesus was coming. He had been promised he would see him. Every day he's looking with wonder, expectancy, excitement, wondering, is the day to day? And I say to you, friend, are we looking? Are we looking for the Lord Jesus? We know he's coming back. He's promised us he's coming back. It could be today. Are we looking? Are we looking? You see, he'll come first to rapture all the believers. To take us home to be with him. Both living and dead. The next event on the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. We'll be called up to be with him. And then seven years later, after the tribulation period, he will return again at his second coming to usher in his millennial reign on the earth. You hear about people talking about the signs of the times and the end time signs. And you may hear that and wonder exactly what's going on. What is this all about? To avoid any confusion, listen to the words of David Jeremiah. Listen, he says, there are no events. There are no events, zero, no events that must take place before the rapture occurs. It's all a matter of God's perfect timing. He says when he preaches that signs are developing concerning the Lord's return, he's referring to an event that must yet occur before the return of Christ in the second advent. The New Testament indicates that the rapture of those who have put their trust in Christ is the next major event on the prophetic calendar. In other words, the rapture awaits us on the horizon. It could happen at any moment. In other words, here's what he's saying. The signs of the times, they're pointing to the second coming of Christ. But seven years prior to that, we're going to have the rapture where we'll be caught up together with him. And it could happen today. Listen to First Thessalonians 4. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that is, those who died, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Listen, it says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Simeon was waiting to see the Messiah. And he held the Messiah in his arms. He blessed God, said, Lord, I'm ready to go. I've seen your promise come to pass. Beloved, Jesus has promised to us today, I am coming back to get you. I say, are we waiting? Are we watching? Are we longing? Are we expecting the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Keep looking up. Jesus is coming again. Now, listen, if we're truly looking for the Lord's return, it's going to impact the way we live. You see, Jesus didn't say, hey, go, go get rid of everything. Just kind of go out and hang out in the cemetery and just kind of wait there for me. And you can see your loved ones that know Jesus burst their bodies, burst up and you go up there. No, 
Listen to what the Bible says. Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation have appeared to all men, teaching us, listen, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live how? We should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Why? Verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. If we really are looking for Jesus' return, it's going to impact the way we're living. We're going to seek to live holy lives. We're going to seek to share the gospel. We're going to seek to win others to Christ. We're going to be like Simeon, looking, looking. It's today to day. It's today to day. To those who are lost, I say repent. Repent before it's eternally too late. Don't be left behind. Repent. And to those of us who are believers, I say, beloved, keep looking up. Jesus is coming again. The next event's the rapture. We'll go up to be with it. And then seven years later, he will have his second coming. Somebody wrote next time it will be different. They said the first time Jesus came, he came veiled in the form of a child. A star marked his arrival. Wise men brought in gifts. There was no room for him. Only a few attended his arrival. He came as a baby. The next time Jesus comes, he will be recognized by all. Heaven will be lit by his glory. He will bring rewards for his own. The world won't be able to contain his glory. Every eye shall see him. He will come as sovereign king and Lord of all. He's coming again. And it could be today. Are you ready? Are you looking? Are you longing? Are you excited? Do you believe he's coming again? Oh, Lord Jesus, how long, how long till we shout the glad song? Hallelujah, Christ returneth. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. And I say, even so come, Lord. Jesus, he's coming again. Are you ready? Are you ready? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We've covered a lot of ground today, and I appreciate your patience. We've talked about things maybe you haven't thought about in a long time. Keeping the law and circumcision and purification, presentation, all these things. But the main focus today are those lessons. First of all, friend, if you don't know Jesus, repent and trust Christ today. You may have arrived here lost, destined for hell. You can leave this place saved, destined to spend all eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, repent of your sin. Turn from your sin to Jesus. Cast all your faith upon him. Put your faith on him and him alone. And he will save you. And then, my brothers and sisters in Christ, you've settled that. But have you forgotten he's coming again? Have you forgotten that it could happen today? Have you forgotten the rapture's coming? You're going to be with him. Are you living like that? Are you living soberly and righteously and joyfully and expectantly? Are you living a godly life? Are you looking for the Lord's return? Are you sharing the gospel with others? Keep looking up. Keep looking up. Jesus 
is coming again. Father, we love you. We praise you and thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for his first coming. Lord, thank you for his second coming. We know it could be today when he comes to get his church, the bride of Christ. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Help us to be waiting and looking and longing. Father, I pray if anybody here today does not know Jesus as their own Savior, I pray right now, before they leave this service, they will trust him. They'll place their faith totally and completely in him. And then, Lord, for those of us who do know him, Lord, help us to live like it. Work in hearts and lives, I pray, in this invitation, in the Savior's name. Amen.